Hello there, faithful viewer or friend of the podcast uh, all around the world, and welcome back to a new episode of this Yes Over Screen podcast, uh, where, as you'll have seen in the thumbnail and uh, various places, we are discussing an animated movie this week that didn't get a cinema release, but part of the DC animated universe, uh, the movie Justice Society World War II. Uh, there are reasons for that, which I'll get into briefly, but first of all, I wanted to introduce uh, who's here with me, because obviously I never do this alone, so I'm joined by my usual co-host, DK. Greetings from the surface of the sun. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it at times. Hotter than the sun out here. And we're joined by a first-time guest, uh, a fan of all things DC and especially animated by all accounts, uh, Charles Dawson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Hello. It's nice to be uh, joined by you two as well. No problem. No. <laughs> Always good to meet a fellow fan. So, um, yeah, the reason for this review, it might seem a little bit random, but... Uh, I did the plan for the podcast basically much earlier in the year, and there was a point when the movie Black Adam was going to be coming out around about now, which I know has the Justice Society in it. So the plan was to kind of try to catch the algorithm maybe with that and sort of introduce people to a Justice Society of sorts and uh, and make that relevant. But meh, it kind turns of, out Black Adam's moved back. So, yeah. You've kind of done it in a kind of good way as well because they're um, d- uh, just about to release the... Um, Stargirl season three uh, broadcast yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. I'll use the opportunity for to, to plug this episode when Stargirl season three launches and when Black Adam comes out for sure. <laughs> but anyway, that was the logic behind this. But we all just like the DC animated films anyway because I think we're all in agreement that um, it's, yeah. it's pretty much the best stuff they're doing. But <laughs> let's DC at the moment. <laughs> As you know, uh, if you're a regular uh, viewer or listener, we start with behind the scenes. Uh, not a lot to talk about necessarily on this one, but as usual, I'm going to pass it over to DK for any kind of behind the scenes or information about uh, Justice Society World War II. Cool. Cheers, Mike. Well, as you say, there's not much on the behind the scenes front this time, I'm afraid. Animation's generally so well thought out and planned months ahead of time that unless something big happens, in the, uh, as in the case of Toy Story 2's deletion, or the company running things in completely uh, incompetent, no comment, ways, then there's uh, less chance of plans changing or things of a more spontaneous nature. But this is what I could find regarding this episode's production. Now, the first thing is that it didn't originally begin uh, life as a JSA movie. On Inception, it oh, was yeah, intended... Know, yeah, on Inception, it was intended as a sole vehicle for Wonder Woman to screen on the now-defunct DC Universe streaming service. It was originally rejected, however, by Warner Brothers execs, as they believed that there was zero interest in a property that featured Wonder Woman as the main star. As we couldn't expect, those execs had their finger right on the pulse, as shortly <laughs> afterwards, Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman was released shortly afterwards in 2017, proving just how long uh, the... <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, yeah, she's like one of the three top ones, as if they're not going to be interested. Uh, DC with their power of fantastic lack of foresight as usual. This movie's part of the Tomorrowverse continuity of the animated series, named after the animated film Superman Man of Tomorrow, also comprising a Batman Long Halloween and Green Lantern Beware My Power. It does settle the potential idea of a Justice League in this continuity, but whether it will continue long enough to, uh, to go fully in that direction, who knows? I've just remembered a little behind the scenes thing that I wanted to point out as well. Sorry to interject. Um, this is just a little bit of an a little bit of a bugbear that I have with the people that make the the DVDs and Blu-rays is that I didn't realize they were going to keep this continuity having its own kind of thing. So they're doing an ongoing thing where it's clearly going to spell out DC Universe because it currently has DCU, but only on the films that are in the Tomorrowverse. 
which is really annoying because I've got like oh, Injustice uh, and Catwoman Hunted haven't got those markings on, and now they're uh, after Green Lantern, even though they came out before so it. Because of the this is oh. the pet peeve. Oh. This, this is the pet peeve that I have with this because when they stopped doing when they when they did, when they started this and they realised yeah. that they were actually making this sleeve right. I I originally bought it on normal DVD as I did all my mm. others. Then there yeah. were some, like The Son of Batman, that I couldn't at the time get on normal DVD, at which point I got them on Blu-ray. So because I'm OCD kind of thing, it meant like it didn't really match. And then yeah. they had the showcase shorts on the Blu-rays, at which point yeah. I just completely diverted to the Blu-rays. So I ended up buying the normal DVDs with the sleeves that, that was going to spell out DC Universe. But then I convert, then I had to go to the um, Blu-rays, at which point I had to buy it again. But then by the time that I had to, by the time I re- went to rebuy it, some had the sleeves and some didn't. But if you, yeah. so if you buy a DVD with this sleeve on, like with, with a sleeve and not one with a knot of the sleeve, they, yeah. or if you buy one with a normal DVD, neither match. So you either have to have normal DVD with the sleeve, normal DVD without, Normal, uh, yeah, the Blu-ray with the sleeve or Blu-ray without. You can't have a mixed match of any other of that doesn't work. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's annoying. I just, I'm just annoyed because now I have films that were released before Green Lantern after it because I have to. Otherwise, the spines won't line up. But anyway, oh, yeah, that was that's... just my my pet peeve. Homer, who voices Barry Allen, Stanley Catic, who plays Wonder Woman, previously worked together on DC. The animated movie Superman Unbound as Superman, uh, as Superman and Lois Lane. Both have worked on other DC voice actors with Katik playing Talia Al Ghul in Batman Arkham City, while Matt plays our favourite depressed ex fighter pilot, Larry Trainer, in HBO Max's Doom Patrol series. Doom Patrol, cancel Doom Patrol and we riot. He's definitely. Uh, <laughs> during, the course, during the course of the movie, it's revealed that Barry didn't travel into the past as he thought and instead travel to a parallel reality. This is based on the pre-crisis comic book concept. Well, if they're tuning in now, mate. Uh, It's uh, it's based on the pre-crisis comic book concept of the Justice Society in Denison's of Earth 2, run as one where the majority of DC's heroes resided. So then we've had multiple crises where that status has flip-flopped, but as I understand it, as at this moment, they're currently known to exist in the universe as part of the same reality as the Trinity. As comic fans will know, the multiverse has played an enormous part in DC continuity over the years and has led to some of the best stories in the company's history. That was, of course, before uh, the multiverse concept was used as an excuse to explain away the results of every dumbass exec decision. Well, and, uh, we can bring prices on Infinite Earths for that, really, can Yeah, <laughs> and that's it for this. As I said, there wasn't much in anything else I found, you know, continuity minutiae that even the most ardent comic book fan might find a little dry, such as the colour of Aquaman's yeah. gloves, for example. So anything <laughs> any you guys would like to add? Um, no, I mean, I was just going to say, like I said, um, I, I wasn't sure whether to mention it now or in the review, but I was quite surprised by that twist because this was the first time I'd seen the movie. So I was shocked when they revealed, oh, he hasn't gone to the past, he's gone to the other Earth. And uh, yeah, like I said, confusingly, the Justice Society are actually from Earth 1 in the comics and Earth 2 is the main one, which baffles me no end, especially considering then the Flash TV show did the opposite, confusing everything yep. even more. So but, we con- <laughs> but with continuity, because as I understand it, they've flip-flopped which is coming yeah. from where. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so um, before we jump into the review, then just to kind of get everybody used to each other and uh, just as a kind of palate cleanser sort of thing, uh, what we have been doing is some fun little games. 
uh, relate to the um, the episode that we're doing, sort of the review in question and such. Uh, so I came up with this one this week, so blame me if you don't like it. Um, so uh, it's going to basically mean that uh, Charles and DK, you two are competing with each other. So the game in question, I mentioned to DK earlier today, uh, the game is a game that I called DC or BS, uh, which is an intriguing title, I'm sure. So what it is, I have a list of, I'm not sure how many, I think between 25 and 30 characters. Uh, I'm going to shout out the name of a character, uh, and then mm-hmm. you have to tell me you have to tell me whether that character is from DC or either somewhere else or just completely made up. So is it DC or am I talking BS? Oh, I think uh, you know the answer. You want to risk it. You're the first one to shout their name and then give me the answer. If you get it wrong, oh, of course, you lose the name first. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. In, in lieu of a buzzer, basically. Um, and then as I say, if you give the wrong answer, that's one point less. If you give the right answer, that's one point yeah. for you. So how does it work? Lose, then how do you, like how do you shout out first? You shout it out like just shout your name. If you think you do, like if I, as soon as I've said the name, if you want to shout your name out, if you think you know it. Um, then you've got like a couple of seconds to answer. But as I said, if you do give okay. it the wrong answer, if you guess what the wrong way, you would lose a point rather than gain. Yeah. That's um, fine. And, or, or your opponent would get the point rather, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably the best. Oh, uh, right. uh, well, let's, see, let's see how well I do then. Because um, most of my listen moment have been well, to do with Doctor Who related things. <laughs> fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, maybe best not to, not to jump straight in if you're not sure. But yeah, to, uh, we'll see how it goes anyway. Um, so yeah, these list yeah. of characters, all I'm going to do is shout out the name. And the first thing on the list is Beard Hunter, DC or BS? DK. Oh, that's, D- that's uh, DC. Oh, that was DK. That was DK. DC. That was DC. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure if your connection was a little slow there, um, Charles, or what, but I did hear DK saying his name first. Um, but yeah, yeah, shout your name out, Charles, a- if you think you know it, first of all. But uh, yeah, we all know where that's from, I think, basically, yeah. we? So I don't Doom need to go Patrol, too much into that. Yeah, Doom Patrol. <laughs> Sounds weird, completely not made up, is an actual DC character. <laughs> the second one, Matter Eater Lad. Oh, DC. Oh, DK again. Charles, you have to shout your name <laughs> before you give the answer. Um, oh, DK, shout my name before I give the answer. Yes, please, yeah. <laughs> so, DK, what are you saying, sorry? It's a DC. It's, uh, yeah, Matter Eater Lad is indeed a DC character. Yes, well done. Um, yeah, the third one on my list, The Shoveler. Is that DC or BS? Uh, that's a mystery, man. That's DC. <laughs> I'm going to give you that one, Charles, but you still didn't show your name out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because no, you knew where it was from. So. Um, right. Um, but yeah, Shoveler was from Mystery Men. So um, the next one on the list, Willoughby Kipling, DC or BS? Oh, that's DK again, sorry. DC. That's DC, yeah. It was another Doom Patrol, which, of course, you were always going to get. <laughs> um, right. The next Obsessive one... is not the word, mate. I know, right? The next one on the <laughs> list, Rose and Thorn. Uh, D- Charles. Charles? Is that, um, is that a made-up character? No, that's uh, that's one point to DK. Rose and Thorn are a DC character. Uh, it's a woman with a split personality. Where it's a woman named Rose who becomes a, a sort of streetwise vigilante named Thorn in kinky green leather. So, <laughs> um, we'll all be looking that up, I'm sure, after this episode. He sounds very like the one from the Doom Patrol. Yeah, there's a lot of similar type characters. I mean, you know, comic books. A lot of, co- no, that's one, a lot that's of one character I've not actually heard of that character. 
Uh, yeah, look it up, Rose and Thorn from DC. Definitely worth a look. Um, right, the next one on the list, the fa- the Phantom Flan Flinger. DK. Uh, uh, Charles. DK? Uh, DK, sorry? That's BS, yeah. That's actually from Tiz Was. <laughs> oh, <memories. laughs> uh, the next one, Scratch and Sniff. Uh, Charles. Charles? Scratch and Sniff. Hmm. There, that sounds made up. Uh, yeah, that is not so much made up. It's actually the name of two dog puppets from CBBC. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> the next one on the list, Captain Marvel, DC or BS. DK? Uh, DC. It's DC, yes. The original name of Shazam. Or I might have caught some of you out with that one, but I guess not. <laughs> That's a trick question, that, though, because it's also from Marvel. Yeah, I mean, technically it is both, but there is there is one in the DC universe, which is the all I'm really looking for. But yeah, uh, the next one on the, the list, Ca- Captain. Uh, sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, Captain. Yesterday, <laughs> Charles. Charles. Yeah, um, that sounds made up. <laughs> yeah, that's actually Fry from Futurama when he got superpowers. So <laughs> uh. <laughs> Animal, vegetable, mineral man. Okay. Charles. Charles. Yeah, for that's um, from uh, Doom Patrol, isn't it, DC? Yeah, that is the villain from Doom Patrol, the slightly bizarre <laughs> mixture of things. Dinosaur, human, plant. <laughs> um, right. Uh, the next one on the list, Bomb Voyage. Charles, that's... Charles? That's... um, It's from The Incredibles as a villain. Yes, that is the villain from The Incredibles. <laughs> you recognised it. Um, awesome. Uh, the next one is Batman Well. Uh, Charles. DK? DK? Yes. Yeah, that's yes, that's a character from the Tick TV show. <laughs> um, right. Uh, Cock King is the next one. Uh, Charles. Charles? You say, you say, Ziva can I get it right? You say Clock King? No, Cock King. Cock King. Oh, yeah, that's not, that's, yeah. that's made up, isn't it? No, that actually uh, is a real character who appeared in the current season of Harley Quinn. So, <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah, is a man is. I've not seen after it. a cockerel. <laughs> I've not seen. That's because I've not seen it yet because I, I can't get it in ah. there. I've not seen it yet. Um, the next ridiculous character, Arm Fall Off Boy, DC. Oh, Dick Charles. Charles. Yeah, is that um? That's either that's. See the the uh, TDK from the Suicide Squad, or oh, it's from the like the Legion of Superheroes, isn't it? Uh, both the same thing. Just James Gunn gave him a different name, but yeah, uh, he's on Legion of Superheroes. It is also the detachable kid from the Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, it is exactly like it sounds. He is a guy who could just rip off his arms and throw them at you. Uh, great. <laughs> uh, next up, Radioactive Man. Uh, Charles. Yeah. Charles. Charles. That's from the Simpsons. Yeah, that's from yeah, The that's... Simpsons. Of course, you were all going to know where that was from. That was from The Simpsons, <laughs> naturally. Uh, the next one on the list, The Sex Men. DK. Uh, DK. DC. It is DC. They are a group from the Doom Patrol comics and TV series. Oh, Believe yeah, it or yeah. Not. It sounds made up, but it's not. <laughs> um, okay, the next one, Bad Cow. Charles. Charles. Is that from the Cartoon Network show? Because I've got the Funko Pop of it. 
no, uh, there is actually a bat cow in DC Comics, believe it or not. I'll have to give that to oh, there, there is. There's also, oh, that's Super Cow I'm thinking of, isn't it? Super Cow I'm thinking of, not Bat Cow. Yeah. Um, the next one on the list then is Dr. Demento. Is that DC or BS? Nobody's risking it. I'm going to say DK. DK? BS? Yeah, that's BS. That's actually a musician. Ah. <laughs> Dr. Demento is a musician and DJ from America. <laughs> Sounds oh, like I, a superhero if, or a villain, though, doesn't it? If this was a, if this was a music, not, the I, I, not all good with music at all. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so the next one on the list is Liesel Pon. DK. DK? I'm going to go with DC. Yes, it is DC. It's a sentient bacteria that is somehow a member of the Green Lantern Corps. I knew it, Ranel. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, uh, the next one on the list, Brother Power the Geek. DK. Uh, Charles. DK. That's DC, definitely. That is DC, yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Um, the next one is Detective Chimp. DK. Charles. DK. DC. That is DC as well, <laughs> yes. Uh, and the next one on a similar note, Hit Monkey. Oh, silence. DK? DK? I'm going to go with BS. It is BS because the only hit monkey is the one from Marvel. <laughs> the next one on the list, again, this is easy. Danny the Street. DK. DK. DC. That's DC, of course. Named for Danny LaRue. Uh, right. Nuclear Man. No, nobody. That's 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 that, that Sim, that's uh, Simpsons. Uh, is that your answer, Charles? Yeah. Uh, no, Nuclear Man is actually from Superman for Quest for Peace. Uh, again, I have to give that to, D to DK. Oh, is he the, uh, is he he is the, a DC? The, that's a, that's also a bit of a trick thing because there is a, there's a superhero in um, Simpsons called Nuclear Man. I, think, I know there's Radioactive Man. I'm not sure if there's Nuclear Man, but I do know that yeah, there's definitely the guy uh, from Superman Yeah, because Homer becomes uh, Radioactive Man in one of the episodes, and there's like a sort of uh, Justice League that he's with, and there's one of them is in a yellow sort of reverse Flash costume, and uh, he's I... called Nuclear Man. So, um, oh. but there is also that blonde, uh, the blonde muscular man from Quest of Peace, which is obviously the villain. From yeah, I was thinking of the first one I thought of was the one from Simpsons, from that one. Yeah. Oh well, sorry about that. There is definitely one in the DC. Um, so yeah, the next one on the list is Muckman. Oh. Charles, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that um, fake. Yeah, that's actually from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I guess it's not in DC. Do you know, what I mean? like yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's not, as long as it's not in DC, <laughs> you're good. Yeah, um, is, is, is Ninja Turtles part of DC though? Because they crossed over in comics no, before. No, 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 no. No, it's a Mirage Comics, I think, officially that has the license to them. So I don't count that. <laughs> um, right. So the next one is Dog Welder. DK. DK. I believe that's DC. Believe it or not, that is DC. And yes, that is exactly what it sounds like. It is just a man who welds it, dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, okay. I'm not even going to go near that. Um, the next thing on the list, laugh, please. DK. 
DK. DC. I had to write an essay on this dude. That's DC, the uh, original or one of the original Orange Lanterns, I believe. So, yeah. Um, uh, the next one, there's only three more. So, the next one on the list, Punchline. Oh, that's from DC. That's from the Suicide uh, I'll Squad. Give you it to, um, I'll give you it, Charles, even though you didn't uh, shout your name first, because it is from DC, not from Suicide Squad, but it's just Joker's current girlfriend after breaking up with Harley Quinn. <laughs> so, is is, is um, that the one from the Doomsday Clock? Oh, as well. possibly. I don't know. I don't know the actual comics. I just I hear things in in passing and see cosplays, and I'm like, all right, that's a new character. Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, so the next one, the second last one on the list then, Gizmo Duck. Sorry, can you say that again? Uh, yeah, Gizmo Duck. Gizmo Duck. Is that one fake? <laughs> Is that your guess? I'll say yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's actually from Ducktales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to love Gizmo Duck when I was a kid. He's uh, kind of a Superman sort of homage in that he's a geeky dude with glasses, but then gets like a cool RoboCop outfit with a single wheel and becomes Gizmo Duck. Look it up, oh, kids. God. He's a cool hero. <laughs> and the final um, one then I'm sad you never mentioned the shadow or the phantom as like oh, this, yeah. oh man I could have done this all day but I have one last one and the last one is Gleek DK DK DC yeah that's DC that's the Wonder Twins monkey lizard alien thing yeah <laughs> I've, got that I've got that as a Funko Pop that's the one they, they referenced in uh, the end of Crisis on Infinite Herbs in Arabus isn't it at the end of Legend of Tomorrow yeah so mm. And then you never saw that's it. Yeah, disappointing. Although there was a, a reference to it in Smallville, but it was just like uh, an emoji on their phone or something stupid. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so at the end of that round uh, of, of this game, uh, then Charles, you scored nine points, uh, but DK, you stormed it with 19 points. <laughs> I think it's a good thing to do that. It's it surprising, like, uh, yeah. Some of the some of the things that are real are surprising, and some of the ones that I made up were just fun things that I thought people might know from pop culture if you were listening along. So if you're of a certain age like me, you probably do know like Tiz Wars and Gizmo Duck and whatnot. So, but uh, yeah, awesome. There's also a lot. I've not seen um, the second season of Doom Patrol yet. Um, oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I've got it, I've got so it on DVD, you? but I've like I've got a backlog of like things I'm watching. So, um. What, some of the names you mentioned, I'll go, oh, like, oh, yeah, I know what, what he's on about now. Yeah, Sex Men in particular was the one that I hadn't heard of until Doom Patrol Season 2, but they are in the comics. So yes. they are really from uh, both. But, uh, Kiss yeah. and Torture. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, DK, you've clearly got some comic books of theirs somewhere in a cupboard, haven't you? <laughs> I, I have some signed first run Grant Morrison's. Oh, I'm just going to shake you off the call, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Grant Morris is great, right? Yeah, great. Um, right, so that was a very, that that was a very fun quick that. That was awesome. a fun quick uh, Glad you guys enjoyed it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll jump into the main review now, which, as I've mentioned uh, up top, is going to be Justice Society World War II, uh, the DC animated film, part of the Tomorrowverse, which started with Superman Man of Tomorrow, so it's all in that same continuity. Um, the very first thing I made a note of, because I was kind of curious, is who who they class as the Justice Society in this movie. So I was taking notes of which heroes turned up as we went along, because uh, it doesn't seem like it's a massive team if you go off the front of the box, but that's because they're trying to avoid spoilers and stuff. 
So if anybody's curious, the Justice Society in this movie consists of Wonder Woman, uh, the Carter Hall version of Hawkman, Dinah Lance Black Canary, the Rex Tyler Hourman, the Jay Garrick Flash, Dr. Fate, but he's actually out of commission and insane, some sort of Aquaman, that's an actual line of dialogue from the movie, <sighs> and Superman, eventually. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that line of dialogue when she said, that, oh, we've been helped by some sort of Aquaman. I was like, oh. <laughs> she had some kind of suicide squad. <laughs> Yeah. The one thing I'm surprised that um, DK didn't mention, like, I don't know which one does the behind-the-scenes stuff. That's DK. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was also, like, to do, with the, to, to do with the Justice Society movie, was that they originally had a lot of a bigger team uh, for the film that they'd written in the script. And oh. they what happened was they wrote quite a lot of them. You know, like, things like, I can't remember the exact characters, but they'd put in ones like for example like what i think wildcat was one of them as an, as an example mm. where they'd written them in because they really wanted to see these characters like the main you know like the ones that are in star girl like a yeah. lot of those and they've kind of written them in and kind of gone well what what they realized was was that the ones that were important to the story and just in general a lot of them weren't getting the development and weren't and weren't getting the screen time that was needed so whatever they said or did didn't have a lot, a lot of impact so they decided that instead of just making it like film with loads of heroes in that was just going to do like very minor things they decided to reduce the amount of team members that was in the film and only put the ones in that actually were going to progress the story and characters forward so yeah. they took a lot of them out and so I think they Think they, I think in total they took five out in total and then kept the ones that you see in the film. And the ones that they took out, they said, if this just JSA film does well, then we can make like a spin-off type film and continue the continuity. So yeah. the fact yeah. that I, so I was hoping that they'd do a second one because the person I think believe plays Jay Garrick, he said he's a first timer to this type of thing. So or at least this character anyway. So he said that he hopes that it gets another one because he really enjoyed playing it. And then he also spoke to John Wesley Ship, who plays Jay Garrick, about, and then he read some of the comics to do with Jay, with JSA and Jay Garrick. So that the main characters had that development. So if there's a small amount, because a lot of people did say, oh, you know, the JSA didn't have a very big team in that film, but that was because they wanted to make sure that they actually did something, if you get what I mean. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I've did, it's debatable, questionable perhaps a little bit that they got a, a ton of uh, development for everybody in here anyway, but I think the Justice Society are popular enough thanks to things like Black Adam and Stargirl that I can see them doing another movie, hopefully, um, even if it means just setting it on Earth 1 or 2 or whichever one this is. Um, so, yeah. Uh, as, uh, as you'll know, if you're a regular anyway just to go over what we're doing uh, to do the review uh, we don't really do it chronologically or anything it breaks down into sections we have like acting directing animation etc uh, i'll be taking the lead because i've uh, got the notes kind of organized and filed in the right kinds of places um, and i'll obviously be jumping to you guys for your opinions because we've all watched the movie uh, so we all know what we think about these things so uh, the first thing on my list would normally be acting but obviously in this case is voice acting 
Uh, and the first person that I've noted down here is um, Stana Katic as Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, and again, me we discussed this a little bit before we started. But the first thing you have to say with this is, yeah, what is the deal with that accent? <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> is, it, is it supposed to be, like I mentioned to DK, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be, is she meant to be mimicking Gal Gadot and it's meant to be Israeli? Is it some kind of... Like, yeah, is it that's, what it, that is what it's supposed to, that's what I think it's meant to do. It's meant to, because obviously when a lot of people heard Gal Gadot, I, from my from my opinion personally, I like wasn't certain on whether I liked the fact that I heard her sound different. Like you know, I, you know, just like you know, I didn't know she was from Israeli in first until I googled her. But then mm. when you know, because it didn't match what you know, like after hearing Linda Carter and stuff like that, and all the animated versions of her, whether I was going to go does the accent make a difference or not really? Because I struggled to kind of understand what she was saying. And then mm. the more she spoke, it then just like, it's a bit like Bane when, or anything like that, you know, from Dark Knight Rises. When you hear a character at first and they speak in a certain way, you might not, you're not used to that way of talking. And then as soon as you listen to it more, like you start to understand what they're saying. So then yeah. I think that's what he was trying to do. It was trying to mimic the, Gal Gadot one, as yeah, I um, think so. Yeah, there's uh, there's a few moments in the film where, as as I've mentioned again to DK, we mentioned um, before we we started sort of officially recording. It's obvious they're taking the success of Wonder Woman because there's a couple of action scenes where the music is trying its best to be Hans Zimmer and the action is yeah. almost exactly like um, some of the moments from that movie in the World War One trenches and uh, you know fighting alongside the tanks and stuff and yeah you can see that's definitely the inspiration but if that is the case i kind of like i've never had an issue with gal gadot's accent because it's her actual accent and it just kind of sounds exotic and kind of okay these people oh, are from I another think, island I think, accent, I think when i heard her voice accent the only like i said the only thing i had with it was it wasn't in like for the first time like for like the first 10 minutes 20 minutes i watched it i wasn't sure whether it I had nothing problem with Gal Gadot herself. It was like I didn't know if it suited, like whether she yeah, could exactly. change the accent or something. But then after she came, you know, after I just watched the film, I actually really, I kind of thought to myself, well, do you know what? I actually like the fact that she's doing that because it, it's yeah. the fact that you don't, what you don't want is to like I've I've had that they do a similar thing in Doctor Who where you, they try and get people's accent, they try to change people's accents. But then mm. when they are allowed to use their own accent, it's nice because at the end of the day, if, I, if you told me what Wonder Woman was and what I said to, what, what to other people, what Wonder Woman is, the accent doesn't make a difference to this character at all. No. Like, no. But I will say, it doesn't, like, you know, the, the, reason, uh, yeah, the reason that I bring it up, though, is that I just think whatever stuff Cassidy is doing, it's, it's ne neither something or anything, and it just comes off sounding weird, and yeah. it's like pseudo-Russian, and... I just think it would have been like I know she can do a, just a straight up American accent because she's been in like crime dramas, procedurals, and stuff that I've watched, and I just don't get what the decision was because if it was to imitate Gal Gadot, it doesn't sound even remotely like her. Um, it did it, come like across said, it comes quite off jarring. Yeah, um, so that kind of threw me out of the the movie, especially considering that I thought it was actually a good thing that for once they actually position Wonder Woman as the leader of this particular Justice Society group, and I was like, ah. Oh, 
that's cool because you very rarely get a chance to see that, as we've discussed, because Wonder Woman they don't think is popular or whatever. There is an intriguing mention of the fact that um, I think the this this Earth version of Superman mentions. Oh, I'm sorry about the loss of Themyscira. Um, I haven't seen any of the other movies, but I don't think it's obviously been addressed there because this just a society haven't appeared. But that's potentially something we could deal with in a sequel. And I was kind of intrigued by that of the idea of this is a Wonder Woman that's lost her home and got adopted by the US and immediately kind of encrypted into the war to try and, uh, you know, help protect US interests or whatever. So um, I thought that was an interesting angle, but again, not really enough time what, to explore it just yet. Because when I've, when I've Googled JSA, like a lot, yeah. like from the 1940s, they do mention Wonder Woman and Superman as part of the oh, JSA. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they, were, they were back in the day. That's why, yeah, the DC yeah. continuity got messed. It was all weird and it was like, well... Because they already but I, exist, but we now need new versions. We're just going to see those ones were in the past or a different Earth. Or yeah, so I've um, never really, I've never really classed them as part of the, the JSA. I've just adjusted. They were, just yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, the but, first um, society. I mean, they did have Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. But like I said, that's why they. I think it was with Crisis on Infinite Earth the first time they were like, well, because we can't claim they're the same ones. That was just a different Earth. <laughs> they were around that long ago, and yeah, it got really weird. <laughs> um, Anyway, yeah, that's DC. But no, I think they're all native to there apart from Barry, uh, the Barry Allen Flash, which, again, that was the next character because we mentioned it was Matt Boomer who voiced him, uh, who we know as Negative Man uh, from the Doom Patrol series. Uh, and I thought, yeah, it was it was interesting because he was a very different portrayal to Larry Trainer. which, I mean, I know Matt Boomer is a great actor. I, I know he can do different things. I've seen him on, like, American Horror Story and stuff as well. Um, but this, this character is uh, way more of a doofus and way more, like, outwardly heroic. Um, and I thought it was good. It was a great portrayal of, of Barry Allen, who's a character that I personally connect quite a lot with. So that was a, a good sort of casting choice, I thought, as well. Um, yeah, I think he's a good did, job. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I know this is more part of the um, animation more than the voice. But I thought that yeah, the yeah, costume yeah. Quite, look, resembled the Flash 90 costume quite a bit. Yeah, um, the animation yeah. style, I think, is quite classic in that way. But uh, yeah, you were saying, DK, about the about Fat Boba. Yeah, I think he's a I think he's a a, a very good actor. I, I, I don't think yeah. he gets the credit he deserves when it comes to just no. voice acting. No. He's absolutely fantastic, and uh, yeah, you can tell it's him, obviously. But it, it's such a world away from Larry Trainer, and I think he uh, I think he, he did a good job. I'd like to see him appear again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll while with you, I think Matt Boomer should be way more famous perhaps than he actually is. But uh, at the same time, if we've got big hitters like him and Brendan Fraser in Doom Patrol or any of all of that cast, actually, um, we're not going to get rid of them. So that's good. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, uh, those were the two kind of main main roles that had a lot to do in the movie. But I did make a note of a few things like um, there's an actor called Omid Abtahi who plays Hawkman. Um, unfortunately, he's kind of reduced to, to virtually a cameo in my opinion. There's not a lot there except to clarify that he is the... Egyptian one that resurrects lots of times and goes looking for his uh, Kiara Saunders or whatever it is. So yeah. you had to have the perfunctory, I'm going to die, but it's fine because I'm going to be resurrected. And I was like, yeah, I don't I, I don't love this. We could have done without this. We've seen this. Maybe it's just because I've seen it so many times because of watching Legends and then I, seeing I, the Smallville version I and cartoon like and everything. So the fact that they've, they've now cast in, in a lot of outward media, they've now cast Hawkman as this kind of immortal man. Yeah. Already, there is a character in DC that is constantly resurrected every time he dies, and they seem to be imposing that. 
on Hartman, yeah. as it were. And I, and I think he's, he's, he's so much more of an interesting character when he isn't that, you know? Yeah. When, when he can to be honest, I've I've always much preferred the alien uh, Thanagarian version. To be honest, so that's, yeah, that's fair I'm always enough, a big disappointment. Yeah. yeah, it just seems to be oh, it's I'm dead. Oh, just brush it off. Get on with the next yeah. one. And that to me were never a subset of his powers. Yeah, I think it's I don't know if it was Legends the first one to do it, but I think it's a, it is a, a side effect of them trying to position Vandal Savage, who is the guy who can be resurrected. They did it in, um, him as like they they did it in Smallville. They did it in Smallville they, first. They? they touched yeah. upon it in, in uh, Justice League Unlimited as well, but it was just oh, like okay. he was a reincarnation, and that's why he wanted to get with Shaira. But he didn't kind of stress that that was his go-to deal, yeah. if you know what I mean. I mean, at least Legend specified that yes, there's kind of a multiple life thing, but it's not the same personality as such. It's not necessarily the same person. It's kind of a Doctor Who or. Jadzia Dax kind of situation, I guess. Yeah, yeah I like, I like that yeah. um, version. One thing I hate is like characters dying, and whether if they're resurrected or not, or whatever happens to them, like there's no consequence to it. There's rich stuff there you could have explored, but I think this movie wasn't really interested in doing all of that. And um, on a, on a random side note, I was kind of like, I, I would have preferred some kind of explanation as to why all these people who are not American were conscripted into the war and decided to fight for them. Because, like, Hawkman's Egyptian. <laughs> Wonder Woman yeah. is... Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I had looked at it like that until you said it then. <laughs> um, but it's like, so, like... And, and the one American hero they've got is apathetic at first and kind of like, no, no, I'm not getting involved. And that's freaking Superman! <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, come on, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, speaking of which... say something? Uh, yeah, go for it. Just going back to the Hartman thing, and if there's any long-time DC readers out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the whole reincarnation thing was introduced as a way to get around continuity errors of the actual character. You know how earlier yeah, you were saying I've that, heard that before, yeah. the, the Batman and Superman, they were on Earth, whatever, as part of the JSA, and it messed up continuity. Yeah. When they did the Crisis on Infinite Earths, it retconned most of it. The one thing they didn't retcon was Hawkman. And they made such a mess of it that they ended up having to do zero-hour crisis in time to explain away the multiple Hawkmans during the, DC, the regular now DC continuity. And I think that's where they introduced this mainstay of him being reincarnated. But you got, as you say, yeah. the, uh, the Thanagarian police officer. You got the one that were yeah. in the JSA, and it just kind of... I think they've just rolled with it since then. Yeah, it's a shame, though, because like you said, it was like, in a film like this, it would have been nice to have that impact, and that death at the very end, he even is like... I think he says at one point, oh, I'll be back, and I'm coming to see you, Shire, and stuff, and I was like, that's completely not impactful because you're just pointing out, like, that doesn't matter. And so, like, at that point in the film, I wanted there to be stakes, and I was like, exactly. it's some bad, actually... You know, died for real. Like, oh wow, this is a real fight. We're getting involved, but I knew it was it's unnecessary. Yeah, he takes the impact of the character and just think, well, it's irrelevant. Yeah. He's coming back anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but now, speaking of which, as I was uh, talking about Superman, uh, we have Darren Chris, who has been voicing him since Man of Tomorrow. Um, not an actor I'm too familiar with. I know he was in Glee or something like that back in the day, but 
Um, does a fine job portraying uh, our Superman in, again, basically a cameo. I haven't watched Man of Tomorrow yet. I'll get around to it, <laughs> I promise. Um, but yeah, you know, the main version of... I've, I haven't watched half of the DC animated films I've got yet, dude. I, w- I will get to it, but uh, that's why I wanted to review one, because at least I was forced to sit down and watch this one. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. I realised yeah, it. I've heard good things. I've heard good things. But yeah, I liked his portrayal for what I saw of it from our Superman. But as I hinted at before, I absolutely hate the portrayal of the JSA world Superman, because I know they tried to justify it. Though he wasn't raised by the kids, it was in an orphanage. But to me, Superman would still never be that apathetic and uncaring. Of no. like, I'm reporting about all these atrocities, but I'm not getting involved. Oh, go on, I will then, because the Flash told me to. I was like, yeah, this this is not that character at all. <laughs> it's just really <laughs> jarring. Um, the police uh, Superman uh, basically uh, had him saying that he came from an orphanage, and I remember that uh, yeah. from when I. Yeah, because I, I watched those recently. Uh, back, I watched them back yeah. recently, and that he says that again, they're from yeah, Superman's from an orphanage. Um, What's that? Sorry, so what was that from? Sorry, uh, the the Felicia cartoons. Oh, the cartoons, the, the Flasher cartoons, yeah, yeah. I thought it might have been an allusion as well to the Flashpoint timeline where it was like he was a bit more cynical because he was captured by the government and experimented on and stuff. But just being raised in an orphanage, I don't think, like I said, I can't excuse that kind of thing, especially when it's somebody who was literally in the trenches as a reporter. And I was surprised at that reveal when they revealed that Shakespeare was Superman. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, the thing is, though, if someone's re- coming from an orphanage, you kind of you know, you'd you'd know what it feels like to be like on your own course, yeah. and you, yeah. you don't you wouldn't what and if someone's taken you in either as a foster parent or even in the orphanage, you'd be grateful for that. So you yeah. would then want to make sure that you know that the something that you didn't had have or something something you wanted, you could give to somebody else. So you would yeah. You know, so I think, as you said, Superman would be a bit, especially because that's the character he is anyway. He would be a bit yeah. more, like, hopeful and a bit, you know, you know. I mean, I could, like, I could accept it a little bit more if it was just like he was staying out of it and didn't want to know and buried his head in the sand. But the fact that he's a war reporter is like he's seeing all this stuff, knows what he can do, and he's still just like, nah, I'm not getting involved. It's kind of unforgivable. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like it's... I can't support that characterization no. of this character because he just doesn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> um what was your thoughts on that DK? Did you have a similar thing to me or the weird, the weird thing is just for I mean disregarding you know you know his actual motive when he turned up that bloody mustache made me think it was Floyd Lawton uh aka Deadshot <laughs> Deadshot yeah. Deadshot in this and then when it returned out I, I I was I was actually disappointed when it turned out to be Clark. Because right. as you say that <laughs> The characterization is so off base. I don't care where he was brought up. You would, you could not physically. Yeah. I mean, it, any war correspondent that's exposed to horrors like that, they would want to get involved. So when someone's actually got the power to get involved and do something about it, I, I think it just portrays him as a very selfish character. And I don't think that's. There seems to be a cynical side of Superman that DC media in recent years have brought forward, and I'm. I don't, yeah. I don't like it. To I'm me, not. it's a big voice gal. I mean, exactly. I don't know I'm not for your... that version. Yeah. I mean, I, know what, I, don't, sorry, I, don't know, I don't know what your opinions are on Man of Steel like, but for my, in my opinion, I don't like Man of Steel like at all. And um, 
and so the thing is, for my opinion, like I found that actually that they had a, that they were portraying a very similar version to parking that to the Man of Steel yeah, one, maybe, and bear in mind that as well that they had a lot of negative perception to that version and that portrayal. Yeah. I'm a bit surprised that they then went with that direction because if they got that negative reaction, I'm just a bit like. Why would you then repeat the same mistake? Yeah. They don't seem to know what they want to do, though, because at this, by by the one hand, that gets a negative response. But then by the other hand, you've got stuff like Injustice, which does absolute gangbusters, and that's all about, like, oh, what if Superman was evil because he was just pushed too far? And again, I've never liked that because... I mean, I've, that I've never been able to take yet. to that. Never. No, was, me neither. No. There was a, a, a comic book back in the, the, the limited series. It was an Elseworlds one. Called, I don't know if either of you read it. Called J- uh, Justice League, the nail. Yes, yeah, I've, I've, got, I've, I've got it. And that was fantastic. It's an Elseworlds, and now they seem to be thinking, "Oh, it worked in this Elseworlds. Let's take it, make him a bastard, and throw him in main continuity." And, well, and yeah. I don't like this at all. This attitude that they're taking. I think if, that's that's my that's my thoughts with regards to the Zack Snyder version. Is that Snyder clearly watched Injustice and was like, "Oh, Superman's a badass." And didn't realize that's not supposed to be the main universe. Like, so yeah. man, that's not how you characterize them, you know? So. Like, if they'd said, like, because if they'd have said, because it actually came out on a stupid interview and said, oh, um, yeah, by the way, I forgot to mention that I'm not actually portraying this my Snyderverse as, um, like, the main continuity. He did say, this is meant to be on Power of the Universe. And I'm like, no, you're only saying that because of the negative reaction, you know, the perception to it, and now you're trying to defend your take on it. Now, I, if they had specifically said, look, we're doing a darker version, these aren't the characters that you are aware of and know and are familiar with, we're doing this type of version, then I'd have gone with it. Like, like for example, like an Elseworlds and Injustice. Yeah, like, uh, like Gods and Monsters does something yeah. like that, yeah. They are specifically saying these aren't the normal versions. So, you know, because the, the, like, I have a, I have a big thing, but I, I really don't like the version of Superman in the DCU. Just to finish off oh, the, yeah. uh, the, the voice acting kind of thing, um, I thought Steve Trevor was really good. It was clear that he had more characterization than most of the GSA heroes. Uh, but yeah. the, I, didn't, I didn't look up the voice actor, but I thought he was doing a great job of the heroic, uh, you know, great character and points out kind of ridiculousness of, of the thing, which is great. You need that kind of, I think, human input character to point out how silly things get sometimes, especially when they go as batshit as this film did at the end. Um, Jay Garrick I've always liked, much like I know Charles has, but again, he didn't seem to have much to do in this film other than to basically be back up for Barry Allen and for, for Wonder Woman to be able to go, oh, we have a Flash. Didn't seem the to only do a lot reason, else. <laughs> the only reason I like Jay Garrick in this is because... Other than the Arrowverse, we don't really see any version of yeah. Jay Garrick apart from a cameo in the New Frontier. So yeah, yeah. even though as you said that like, characterization, like I was just happy to like see these these because they also with all the DC films that they've done in the animated wise, you know, they haven't re- they've never really focused on the JSA properly. So I liked yeah. the idea that they were finally doing that. And giving yeah, them a course. little bit focus, and that over time, hopefully, they would characterize them. But I was just grateful sure. to see, you know, this yeah. version of Flash 
portrayed yeah, in a more um, modern time. But yeah, related to that in a kind of story point of view, though, I was also really confused and kind of not on board with the idea of, oh, because there's two of you taking power from the Speed Force, it's weakening you. Because I was like, hang on, isn't there like 17 speedsters in the main universe? Yeah. And they never yeah. mentioned anything about, oh, there's too many of you tapping in, you're weakened. No, because <laughs> yeah. the whole the whole point is that the like the only time the speed force is ever weakened or anything like that is when you do something either to it or when you do something that you're not meant to. Like and yeah. you know, like if they're like if they if they're basically saying, Oh, um you're hit there the speed force is weakened because there's two of you because you're from a parallel universe, well, why get why are so many speedsters? Traveling back and forth in time, or perhaps traveling yeah. universe, different universes. Then, you know, it was kind of like you know yeah, I mean? the writers didn't really, they didn't really know the specifics, and they just wanted an excuse to kind of have, I guess, the two flashes working together. But it just, I yeah, think it, it was, it, more, it, it, it I felt it was these more, things, yeah, I think yeah, it, yeah. I felt it more was case of they were, tr- they weren't trying to, like, I think they were just trying to, because obviously there's loads of things that speeders can do. So I think what they were trying to do yeah. was. If say Flash could take out all these villains all at once, like and suddenly like because there's a lot of things that a speedster can do, but which which would be more powerful than a whole team put together. So I think they were just trying to make an excuse as why these speedsters yeah, weren't cool. as powerful as they seemed. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Um, but anyway, yeah. Moving on, just to quickly finish off the acting stuff, I thought um, the the Our Man character I just thought was too much too full of self-pity and kind of doesn't do a lot it's always he was always complaining about his limitations uh, but he does get one nice bonding moment with carter uh, with hawkman so i guess that was nice uh, and finally i was confused at first why aquaman was kind of pompous and rude then realized it's just there's no point in that being aquaman because he's mind controlled and it's not the character it's literally like a nazi and i was like oh well there's literally like if I was a fan of Aquaman, I'd be really annoyed by that. I'm not especially, but <laughs> this, this bugs me. I know it's going into the writing a little, but I lost. Yeah, I don't go for it. it. I lost it after the Aquaman section because yeah, it just seemed to lose lose focus, and then it concentrated more on it the Atlanteans and the Nazis were just forgotten at that point. I, I had the exact same problem. Yeah, it, it, it's like yeah, at that point, remember- period settings plus. It could have been any DC movie. It could have been anything. You're absolutely right. And it was kind of, it's similar. It's a similar thing to me that what happens with the live action movies in that they kind of realized they had to have a big epic showdown in the last act. And then, like you said, forgot the fact that they had an army of Nazis and were like, I know, giant underwater kaiju and an Atlantean army. And at that yeah. point, we said it's kind of like, well, this has nothing to do with the Justice Society or World War II. It's yeah. just nonsense. So, it's it's yeah. like Cthulhu by way of Pacific Rim. Yeah, exactly. Although I would say that that, uh, that giant crab did make me want some uh, crab corn soup. So, you know, it's it's spurred (laughs) on my next next, uh, takeaway menu. So I've got to give it credit for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not a seafood fan myself, but uh, yeah, you do you. (laughs) No, I I was with you on that completely. But um, just to try and again, to keep us moving through this stuff, then I only have a couple of notes on the direction. Uh, The director is a man called Jeff Weimster, which I took a note of because I thought he did quite a good job. Uh, I like the fact that he makes the different universes, what I thought were initially different eras, look different. Uh, Like there is sort of a World War II feel to that universe, for me at least. I thought there was a bit more of the classic look, um, maybe a bit like the older cartoons and stuff. Uh, And I liked the actual classic 
sort of bright, shiny style of the Tomorrowverse that's just in the main universe. Uh, definite inspiration, as I mentioned, from the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, and I liked his depiction of the Flash Time sequences, because not everybody gets that right. No, I also yeah. liked, and I, I mean, it's, it's just ephemera when you consider it in the movie, but I loved the uh, the facsimile uh, news reels for the opening and closing credits. Yes. I think uh, that yeah, was yeah, a really nice touch. Yeah, I had that under animation. I was going to say exactly the same thing. I love that it's the old-timey war, as if you're watching a movie or a propaganda movie from the 40s. So absolutely love it, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, because, again, this feeds into animation, but I just noted there are 123 people that worked on this, not including visual effects, just animation. In case anybody's curious how many people it takes to make one of these. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like the shelves, the cell-shading style, I think, is what I tried to sort of think that it was. It, it was a, a nice art style. There's some, you know, nice, yeah. nice clear lines. Good. I mean, it's not Pixar level, obviously, but it was some. There was some deep no. animation in there. But again, talking of like individual sequences, I kind of I liked the trippy time tunnel sequence when Doctor Fate started appearing to Barry as he was sort of blasting through. Well, what we thought was a time tunnel was probably actually a time and space tunnel, but whatever. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I liked it. It was nice. So, um, cool. Uh, yeah, so then just to get to uh, some of the writing stuff, then I, these are just random notes that I made. So there's obviously at the start of the movie a link to Hitler collecting supernatural stuff. Bit of a cliche. We've seen it in multiple things, including the BPRD comics and stuff. And yes, there's rumors of it in real life, but it's a nice way to introduce an actual realistic, horrific jerk to kind of a fantasy universe, I suppose. So, yeah. Um, they do it in Hellboy and, and as well, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about introducing the GSA because it had a very, the first Suicide Squad vibe that it was stopping the movie to be like, this is our man. This is what he can do. This is Hawkman. He does this. And I was like, like I, it's, I, be, it's better than the Illuminati in Doctor Strange. <laughs> Oh, um, again, speaking of cliches, uh, Barry and Iris doing the whole, like, I'm just trying to protect you from my enemies thing. I'm I'm kind of over that now. And I'm a huge fan of it. I love it in, like, the Raimi Spider-Man movies. But whenever I see that cliche in superhero stuff now, I'm like, oh. I think, this is... I think they were trying to tie it more into the Arrowverse so it would be more accessible. But, it, you know, it yeah. just comes across as, you say, it's, it's, it's getting a little worn, worn down now. Yeah, because I know they're going to be fine and it's always the same argument of, like, well... Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. That's life, in it? But anyway. <laughs> I always find that kind of argument of I'm trying to protect you a bit patronising to the characters yeah, that they're saying yeah. it to. Yeah. Yes. The thing is, you know, it's it's making it sound like that, you know, because it's usually a man saying it to a woman. And at the end of the day, yeah. it comes across as a very patronising, sexist thing. Oh, like the woman's not independent. That the woman doesn't have her own, you know. At the day, it should be a conversation of you know of equal of respect of going well how do you feel about this not not i'm taking the decision out of your hands and i'm deciding it for you you know because I did like that, they, they, did, they did kind of address that in this in which she turned around and she pretty much gave him a dressing down for saying that kind of thing yeah so i kind of yeah. like that aspect but um, to me i'm always more interested in like and they never seem to take this angle of the angle of like if you have to use it as a metaphor, then perhaps superheroes are similar to like firefighters or cops, where it's like, if you really want to talk about like why I wouldn't want to be so kind of close with her partner, it might be because, well, I could go out and die tomorrow and then you'd be heartbroken. I'd rather that than just like, well, you'll never be able to protect yourself if yeah. my villains come for you, you know? Um, 
But anyway, that's, again, neither here nor there, really. It's just, that's my preference. Um, again, I, I loved the, uh, I, I actually wrote Year, the Whirlwind Arms, and then the actual dialogue in the film said, a Flash classic. And I was like, and it is! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that they don't shy away from pop culture stuff. So when they mention complicating the timeline, Barry Allen actually says, I've seen that movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> At least you're addressing this. Um and it's because, like, they point out that Barry Allen's never heard of them and they must therefore still be a secret. It asks a really big question, which is like, well, what's the point if you're not remembered? And I'm like, damn, that's a big enough question to sustain a movie. And Wonder Woman asks that and then immediately moves on. And I'm like, oh, I want to focus on that for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's some nice references to Larry Drake and Hawkgirl, the partners of some of the JSA. Uh, that's about all I can really say about that. <laughs> uh, as I say, I was just writing in shock that they revealed it's a different Earth and blah, blah. <laughs> and I mentioned already I didn't like the Superman stuff, didn't agree with the writing of the Speed Force being weakened because it doesn't make sense. Uh, and then, as you said, DK, by the end, there's just too much going on because you're talking about Aquaman and the Atlanteans invade. And I've actually written word for word what you said. It's already World War II, which has now become irrelevant <laughs> Which again, yeah. it, it's in the title of your film, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. And uh, that was my next note that it's like, it's, it's just turned into a different movie. There's now like a giant kaiju appearing. Yeah, I kind of just lost interest at that point. Yeah, same. I'm being honest. I came to generic yeah. and I was like, I came for a kind of World War II hero type adventure. And then, like you said, it's just become a generic Saturday morning cartoon basically by the end of yeah. it. And I was like, oh, that's a shit. Um, so, yeah, uh, as I said, the Hawkman death, uh, because we knew he was coming back, it didn't really matter. I was like, the tone of this is all over the place. It's going into, like, four-color heroics to, like, sad death, but it doesn't matter to monsters attacking. And I was like, it's, it was fine for the first half, and then it just seems to not pick a tone that it wants to go with. Yeah. So, again, I was kind of yeah, thrown off. Uh, I was shocked by the death of Steve Trevor, which again is stupid because he always dies. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I thought that was that was way more impactful than the Hawkman death, frankly. Um, didn't love the whole gag about, oh, I see you've shaved for the occasion when Superman did finally bother his ass to show up. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought the ending, the proposal and everything is nice, but it just seemed very abrupt. Although it was nice that, as uh, I think Charles was referencing, there's a little reference when Flash comes back to say Superman about like, oh, others, others will be coming, not just Brainiac, and maybe we could gather a, get together a group of similar people into some kind of, I don't know, league, maybe? So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so any last thoughts on that before I jump into the, the sound and music, which was my next note? Um, I, was, uh, like, I don't know how connected this is, but I, I just like the fact that they said that if people liked it, if it sold well, you know, yeah, we'd yeah, do yeah. another. And with how well, you know, considering that it was a practically a unique film in the sense of, like, we hadn't seen JSA in these DC animated films before. I, yeah. and obviously um, the person who played the Jay Garrick, he was, it was the first time he played this character. So I was yeah. hoping that they would get For this chance work, yeah. to, one, develop, two, add more members, and three, yeah. just you know, give more, um, you know, into, you know, just have another, you know, continue this spin of continuity thing because they're hoping yeah. the same thing will happen with after the Black Adam films come out. They're hoping oh, yeah, to spin yeah. it off into um, a JSA spin off as well. 
Yeah, I just hope they do a little better and we develop the characters a bit more and make it an actual Justice Society film and not like a weird mess by the end of the movie. But that's that's just my opinion, obviously. But um, what about you, DK? Did you have any? You had something you wanted to say? Just going on to the dialogue, I thought there were one or two nice lines, nice de- nice decisions. You know, where it's, it, they're just small things, but uh, when they're first introduced to uh, Atlant the Atlanteans and. The you know the guys giving this big speech about how they're just monkeys up there and Flash gets yeah. rude. <laughs> yeah, there's but, a few good little, little moments. Yeah, and there's one later on where uh, he says, "I will tell you nothing." Mouth breathing, and then Flash just machine gun punches him in the face, and that got a chuckle out of me. Oh um, yeah, that that's in my <laughs> that's in my favourites. So don't steal that from me. <laughs> but yeah we'll get to that once i've finished off uh, talking about the other stuff because i just wanted to mention the original music was by someone called kevin repo who is basically um, channeling his inner hans zimmer for most of the movie yeah. uh doing his wonder woman theme bit uh, i liked there's some good dramatic tension music which you don't always get especially in these little uh, animations and from a sound point of view i was really disappointed because as a big fan of black canary i thought her scream was piss weak until the one point it wasn't supposed to be and she actually had to kind of bring it because I was like, oh, what's this? It's such a weak, like, ah, <laughs> for most of the movie. Um, but again, that's just me being me, I guess. Uh, and my final last note just under the other stuff was, um, if you weren't sure which universe this is, there is one bit of dialogue that hits it right on the head. Uh, and I think it's when Steve Trevor dies, when he says, honestly, being with you, I wouldn't trade it for all the tomorrows in the world. So... We're in the tomorrow verse, people. If you didn't know that, so, um, so yeah, that's any any last thoughts then before we jump into favorite character moment and line. No, no I've got nothing. I mean, I know it's not good to do with uh, anything like that, but just just oh, an overall to do with these films. I just think that because they're so popular and so great, I just like them to be more than 75 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I've, that's the thing that, that this one in particular, you're absolutely right, does try to stuff too much in and could definitely have benefited from being a bit longer to give characters room to breathe and stuff. I mean, the ending notwithstanding, which would probably, I could probably personally do with a complete rewrite, but it would be nice to have more character beats. Like, as you say, it was cool. You see Dr. Fate and it's kind of this cool idea of he's completely insane, but, you know, he's he's being held there as a resource. I've done that quite a few times, though, with- uh, Doctor Fate being a bit of a mad person, though, weren't they? They done it. They did it in. Um, they did it in Smallville, and they did it yeah. in. Um, what's the what's the thing that I saw? Them? Oh, they did. Didn't they do it in just uh, Suicide Squad? Hell to pay a bit as well. A little right. bit, but I mean, that's it's still something that, that, that it would be nice to, uh, to explore it a bit more, as opposed to just oh, he's here, oh, he's insane, but we're getting the information, and now we're gone, and it's kind of like oh. I could that was yeah. a bit of a shame, you know? Um, and it never really, for me, explained why he appeared to flash in the kind of crossing dimensions thing. Like, I know you could theorize about it, but I would have liked a little bit more explanation and a bit more heroic, I guess, urgency you just to why he did that. all but... these things in the sequel, do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, you could, definitely. These are all things you could pick up, because like I said, you've already got a lot of seeds that they've dropped, like... Um, as I said, just that one throwaway line about, oh, Wonder Woman, I'm sorry about your loss of the loss of Themyscira. And yeah, absolutely. These are things that could, you could pick up in a sequel and develop a bit more with these characters. So you never know. Um, but anyway, um, so favorite character moment and line from the movie. Um, I'm going to go to you first, DK, because we haven't actually told Charles until now that he has to do this, I don't think, that I can remember. <laughs> so, um, so Charles, if you just think. 
yeah. If you just think of a favorite character, a favorite moment, and a favorite line, if you can, from the movie. And uh, Kiki, I'll come to you first and ask, what's your favorite character? Uh, favorite character is, which is weird considering what's just been talked about. But I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Doctor Fate. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, he, he wasn't any reasons. to me. He made an impact. He made an impact, but to me, Doctor Fate in anything, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a Doctor Fate. Yeah, he's a good. So. You'll be looking forward to watching Pierce Brosnan in Black Adam, then I presume. <laughs> I will. I will. Yes, awesome. Uh, my favourite character was the Barry Allen Flash, but I said that that seems like a cheat because he's obviously like the co-lead. It's a Flash Wonder Woman kind of movie, but I just liked it. I thought Matt Bummer did a good job, and again, I liked that character, so I was there for that. Um, so there you go. Uh, what about you, Charles? Who was your favourite character in this? So I'm. This is. I think I've already mentioned that as like a go-to thing. Like my biggest, my favourite character is Jay Garrick, um, mm. just because I've. Like, he doesn't look like an ordinary superhero, if that makes sense. Like, not yeah, many yeah. superheroes wear helmets, and he, lo- he looks more genuinely um, 1940s, World War Two, oh, And definitely. Yeah, all-timey, yeah. Um, but I also have always, yeah. because of Don Rogers, and because of just Jay Garrick in general, oh, yeah. I have always liked Jay Garrick. So I, yeah. and obviously, as you said, I've not seen this character in film properly before. So just in general, just like, I mean, my favourite moment was when the two Flashes worked together to, like, help bring uh, the plane down, if you remember that, you know, when they were awesome. saving. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, that's cool. So that's that's your favourite moment, and that's, that we'll, we'll go around and, uh, yeah, we we'll, may as well ask you, DK, what was your favourite moment then in the movie? I do like the the, uh, the book ended, the end part, and uh, battle with Flash and Brainiac. Where he grabs that yeah. bullet and just pretty much throws it through his forehead. I think that's <laughs> that was just done beautifully. Yeah, yeah, very well animated as well. Fair enough. Um, mine was the moment you already kind of stole, and it's just this. This is my kind of sense of humor, but I did love the kind of um, the Atlantean guy who's like mouth breather. Then the Flash does the rapid like multiple punches, and the guy just goes, "I yield." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just I laughed out loud. I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's you've got me. That's my base level of humor right there." You know. <laughs> uh, Right. And then finally, what was your favourite line of dialogue, if you can think of any, Charles, in the movie? Um, I'll be honest, I can't remember specifically any lines of dialogue um, in particular, because I've I've not seen it for like proper, like a while. But you are jogging my memory by a lot, for a lot of things that. Yeah. um, I would, so like, because say you you said, oh, we'll do like a second review on it. I'd be able to, um, like, cause go back after what you said, go back. And because uh, there's a lot of things that you've said that I, mm-hmm. I, you know, never noticed myself before. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the yeah, development and the personality oh, of like Dr. Dr. Fate or Superman and things like that. Um, yeah. Because I was probably mainly too focused on. Um, yeah, the, well, of course. I, I, also, I, I also love Hawkman. So I was probably too obsessed with. Looking at them too, you know him and Garrett probably too much to yeah, probably know yeah. the other bits of other people. Yeah, that's okay. That's fair enough. Well, I'm going to speak for you and say that your favourite line was probably because I know how much you love the Flash was probably just aha a Flash classic when they do the whirlwind arms because that was cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I do like. And, so, what about you, DK? Did you have a favourite line that you noted down? I like the uh, tomorrow's never guaranteed. Only today, right now. That's why we fight. Right. Oh, that is good. Damn, that's better than mine. <laughs> that was really good. That's the kind of thing I should have and would normally have picked, but I was distracted because I'm a big fan of Black Canary. 
So I was just a sucker for the punch in the air moment. And my favorite line was, you call that a scream? <laughs> when the monster oh. tried roaring at her. And I was just like, yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Open your mouth and scream, girl. But there we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fair enough. So uh, again, Charles, we haven't really mentioned it, but we tend to just do a quick um, like paragraph or two conclusion and then a score out of five. Uh, for the film, so did you want to start us off with that with yours? I liked the idea that mm. um, I, I, I mean, personally, I didn't, I didn't really think that Wonder Woman needed to be in the World War um, Two kind of thing, because mm. I, I felt like that um, it much reminded me too much of Captain America, and right, yeah. it, 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 even though I know that this is the thing, like Wonder Woman and Captain America are very similar. In terms of that that particular you know war and what they do in that you know they're very basically like the super soldier version that basically helps mm-hmm. them get through it and there's two reasons why I don't like that you know I know that Captain America is meant to be in that from that era but yeah, well, I have never like you know and I know that Wonder Woman is obviously meant from that era as well but like I've always viewed mostly Wonder Woman as a present day character. And I also, right. I also the reason why I mainly prefer the Captain America version of being the World War Two Wonder Woman is because Wonder Woman's an Amazon from a Paradise Island, whereas Captain America was an actual soldier, an actual human being in mm. the World War, and an American, which wanted, helps, yeah, <laughs> which wanted to help. Do you know what I mean? Felt that the Wonder Woman thing, like it would have worked well just as a JSA film without the Wonder Woman being there. right. And Got you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that yeah. was why I didn't, and I couldn't really connect. I didn't, you know, it was nice that Wonder Woman was like a sort of like a leader, and I kind of got used to it through the film. But when I first heard of the premise, I was I wasn't too keen on it, but I did like it in I the see. end. Fair enough. Uh, so, what would you give it out of five stars? Um, well, because just because I'm a massive fan of the JSA and it's their first their first proper film. Um, and it gave exposure to like this format and media that hadn't been in before. I'd probably say like four out of five. Like, four out of five, no problem. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that's on the books then. <laughs> uh, so what about you, DK? Did you have your conclusion and score out of five? I do. Just to say it is a decent enough film taking slightly different time many of the DC animated universe entries allowing it to shift its focus albeit slightly to other lesser known heroes. With a pseudo time travel tale that serves to introduce its audience to something outside of the norm. The works clean with good character design and a crispness to the animation that gives it a ring of quality. It's more Saturday morning cartoon than Disney standard, but even so, the artwork deserves to be commended. The voice actors are competent with the leads, Katik and Boma, relaxed and at home in a voice recording studio, allowing them to imbue their respective characters with a more nuanced approach that would normally be expected. Even so, I wasn't entirely convinced by Katik's accent. The script begins really well and draws the viewer in, but for me, towards the end, it loses its allure as the unique aspects of the storyline are put to one side for one with more familiarity. And personally, I felt lost a great deal in this execution. I was more entertained than I initially thought I would be, and while it's not perfect, it gives the viewer enough enticements to keep them watching. Truth be told, if there were more appearances of actual JSA characters, I would be on board for that in future. Future and I give an it three out of five. Okay, fair enough. Um, right, so 
Uh, I will give you my conclusion and score then, and then we'll work out the overall average. Uh, my conclusion, again, I've just said, um, again, apologies, it sounds like I'm reading it. I am. So, <laughs> um, an overstuffed movie, not unlike DC's live-action output. It starts with potential to be an intriguing heroes during the horrors of real war story, but devolves into over-the-top supervillain, mind-controlling an army kaiju nonsense. Uh, there's too many heroes, plot threads, and tones, and that's a shame because cutting a few things would have given a much better movie, in my opinion. Uh, there are moments of brilliance from heroes who do get to be heroic and virtuous. Uh, there's some interesting mysteries and some cool comics-inspired twists. Uh, the voice acting is great. The action is very well done. The animation is gorgeous. It just collapses under its own weight in the final act uh, because it escalates too far. Again, pretty familiar. Uh, I also would have liked to see more exploration of the actual JSA, as you said, who are sidelined background characters for most of the film. Uh, enjoyable, but a bit shallow. Fun, but forgettable. Good, but disappointing. Uh, I'm literally torn down the middle, so I kind of have to give it 2.5 out of 5. Uh, That's a fair enough assessment, I think. So, yeah, uh, let me just work out the average then. So the overall uh, average then for the podcast, the final score for Justice Society World War II comes out as 3.16 recurring uh, out of five. So, you know, we, we'll, we may as well say three out of five, ultimately. Uh, it's just as close as dang it to that. So that's not bad, I think, for that. Um, yeah. Um, the next section, just to finish things off, would be the audience interaction section. Um, which, again, I put out a tweet, as we always do. What did you think of this movie? Have you seen it? We got one reply um, from Max Ingram at Sleeping Logs Die, a regular contributor, who just says, I saw it a couple of days ago, really enjoyed it. I thought Wonder Woman and all the characters had some really great moments. My favourite was when she launched herself from a torpedo tube to play discus with Nazi depth charges. So, yeah, <laughs> fair, enough. fair enough. And... Uh, if you bear with me one minute, I may see if I can find a really hot take that we can just quickly award this to. If anybody said uh, anything especially dumb on uh, on Letterbox, <laughs> yeah, most people anywhere between kind of two point five and four, which is basically us essentially. Yeah. Um, the best review that I found that at least made me laugh. Bro, Mero gave it three stars, but I love that the review is just "We live in a justice society." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the hot take for this week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well done, Bromero. You get that one. So uh, awesome. So that's the, that'll conclude things then for this particular episode. Um, hopefully, we haven't bored you to death talking things DC. What's left to do is to thank Charles for being a first time guest and a great one. Thank you, Charles, for that's coming it. and talking all things DC. Yeah. Well, thank you. For, thank you for having me. And uh, um, is. Nice to be uh, offered the chance to do it because I've never done anything like this before, so I didn't know how it was going to play out. So uh, yeah, yeah, thank uh, thank you for letting me join, and uh, I hope I've been alright on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always nice to meet a fellow geek and somebody who's passionate about this kind of stuff. So awesome, um, and uh, yeah. So thanks again. Did you have any uh, kind of socials or anything you wanted to plug, Charles? Before we go, um, well, I don't, I don't have anything. I mean, I'm I'm on Twitter quite a lot, but I don't um, have anything, and I've got like a YouTube thing. That I I don't use very much. Um, Fair enough. Well, um, no, we'll pop your Twitter. If you don't mind, we'll pop your Twitter in the description, and people can sort of always follow you there if need be. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Main, I'm, that's mainly where my um, this kind of interaction comes from. Like, um, I yeah. don't really go on like Facebook or anything. So the main part would be, you know, Twitter. 
Yeah, I think we're all the same. So, and as as usual, you can find all of our information in the description. We will eventually get around to recording an outro with this all on. But uh, yeah, you can find the podcast information on all social medias in the description, as well as our personal uh, Twitters and letterboxes and everything. So just click on yeah. the description below if you want to find all that. Uh, anything you else else you wanted to plug, DT or? No, everything's everything. You've covered everything. It's in the description. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, uh, our next episode when we come back uh, is going to be a, another top 10 episode uh, just a little bit different um, and this will be top 10 DC movies fittingly um, <laughs> so hey maybe we can even discuss DK on DC on that for a bit um, and yeah uh, we're still finalising some guests but I think we have a couple uh, of interested parties um, did you ask Nick by the way DK if he would yeah. do that yeah Nick's, Nick's up for it Nick, oh, Nick cool. will be coming back if he's welcome Definitely, yeah. Well, Nick and Theo, I think, will be the others. Very interesting. I think it's going to be a way more varied list than the Marvel Top 10 we did. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that will be good. And uh, that's all about it. In the meantime, everybody, uh, do come back. And in the epic words of Arnie, I'll be back. (laughs) 